And welcome to Down the Alley. This is PMAC. Ted T.S. Sparides. And Katie Sparides. And how's she going? Another uh, another week uh, starts now. February, <laughs> February. Um, Just getting that much closer to the high school season. We officially start our college season today. Yep. Uh, a lot of uh, D1 teams had their first real game this weekend. Big upset, uh, I would say upset of the weekend, would probably go to Air Force over Duke. Yep, it seems to be just kind of a... The season hasn't officially started until Duke loses uh, an early season game yeah. uh, to an unranked opponent. Um, it's just... What was Duke ranked? Seventh five. or sixth or fifth? Or, yeah, they were in the top ten I thought for they sure. were five. They're top ten. Mm. They're um, top ten for sure. Kind of like, it just seems to be happen every year you know it's that's the Donowski model of like like we're not going to worry too much about it until we get into conference play and and yeah. we'll be playing our best lacrosse come uh may when mm-hmm. it matters and um yeah it's just it seems like it happens every year last year it was high point two years before that uh air force beat them um so hmm. uh, i was impressed with air force actually at, at first like the first maybe quarter i got punched in the face early. yeah because we were we were coaching and i kind of popped my head in and out and i'm like oh man like guess what four nothing or yeah. five nothing i'm like they just looked at disorganized but like they have some solid individual players they i think they're, they're they're one of their guys who what scored four goals and four assists so he had eight points i think he's a freshman, freshman. yeah oh freshman he's a freshman yes he from? utah i yep. believe so cool. that's cool that, you know, they always seem to have some strong uh, presence from the West Coast um, in Colorado. And, yeah, I mean, I would love to see Air Force, like, be a, be like a, I don't know, a, a, a team that's in the tournament. Like, I, I like yeah. Air Force. Like, it's cool. Just but, go on a run. Um, it just kind of seems like they always do well early and then struggle kind of late. But, um you know, High Point got crushed by Maryland. Uh, no, no, I don't remember they who they played, but or I, they lost, and and I know they were like kind of a surprise team last year in that conference. They had an awesome goalie, awesome goalie. So I think maybe Air Force, you know, can win that conference. I maybe Richmond's down. Like, there's a lot of kind of sleeper teams. So who knows? Like, I was impressed, but anyway, yeah, um, it's fun to. When that when kind of the Division One TV games start kind of popping on the schedule, you kind of start to feel the cross season start. Yeah, it was it was awesome. Uh, obviously, Super Bowl. Yep. Uh, Super Bowl weekend. We just wrapped that up. Uh, any thoughts from that game? I won. You. I yeah, won money. You won. Yeah, the uh, on the boards on the boards. Yeah. Where I did you, a board. You, you, you I pick, didn't know the board was happening. You picked squares. And then we picked random squares. Mm-hmm. And I won one of the quarters with his money. Yeah. There so you go. Good job. Um, we, I gave it back to him. As far as the game, I, a lot of people have thought it was a boring game. I, I, a lot less boring than last year, you could say. Yeah, I thought it was, you know, yeah, there weren't, wasn't a lot of scoring in the first half, but I, it was too, clearly the two best teams yeah. kind of duking out at the end, which is what you want to see. And, um, you know, I, I didn't, I was kind of popping in and out. Um, I didn't go to a party. I didn't, you know, do anything crazy. It was just yeah. another Sunday for me, but. Um, was last year where they came back from behind? 
No, last year was like all field goals and Oh yeah. That was yeah, a few yeah. years ago. Then the they literally were like down by like three touchdowns yeah, or something. Yeah, and they that came was back. I think it was three Super Bowls ago. Was that that was probably our Super Bowl? No, no nope. Super Bowl before. That was the that. one before. Oh, it was the one okay. before. I was in college still. Oh, okay. But times. um yeah, it was a good game. It was fun. You know, both teams are Jimmy uh, G threw more than eight times, so everyone <laughs> yeah. can get off his back. He can throw the ball. Yeah. He, he knows yeah. how to yeah. throw the football. Um yeah. Um a lot of talent and you know, fun game and, and whatever. Um Patty Mahomes kind of kept it kept it simple. You know, yeah. it was no BTBs, you yeah, know, no, no. Not, nothing crazy. Did he win MVP? Uh, yeah, uh, playoff MVP or Super Bowl oh, MVP. Yes, yeah. not for the year. That was Lamar Jackson, I believe. Yeah, who did he play for? The Ravens. Mm. Very talented. Uh, pretty similar, you could say, to Mahomes' playing style. I just like Super Bowl Sunday. I just like the the day of it. You're like, not alone. I, I don't like think. the pomp and circumstance and the hype and yeah. the commercials and the halftime and the betting. On what color Gatorade it's gonna be? <laughs> like I just, yeah. I just think that's all so fun. Yeah, you were cooking something up, cilantro lime chicken. How did that pot. turn out? That was great. Awesome. Um, yeah, it was. It was nice. It was wasn't too. You know, I don't want to say unhealthy. Like it wasn't your typical Super Bowl food, but it okay. was just. Yeah, we had some ta- chicken tacos. And, you guys have been really crushing the tacos over there lately. Oh yeah, I'm like you do that Saturday again. Uh, we didn't do a Saturday because we, we went to my in-laws for dinner. Oh, yeah. But it yeah. was tacos. Yeah. Oh, what? Yeah. It was tacos. <laughs> Marty usually has a good spread. Yeah, yeah. Um, yeah, you know, I love tacos. My I wife loves them. And my kids eat them. And you can kind of make them how you want to make them. Yeah. So there's like, it's kind of like You make them relatively, happy. yeah, relatively healthy. And, or you can make them relatively very unhealthy. If you, yeah. And there's you like know? so many different ways. Yeah, there is. Um, I it, love it's chips. funny because it's like, oh, you've had tacos five days in a row. It's like, you know, you've had a sandwich five days in a row, but you didn't have the same sandwich. Yeah. So anyway, um, yeah, mm. it was good. And we did that. Nothing too crazy. And um, I... I'm a I'm, I'm a fan of football, but I'm yeah. much more a lacrosse fan than I am a football fan. Yeah, uh, I'm so excited for like lacrosse season to start. And your team, Syracuse, has their home or season opener this upcoming Saturday. Saturday, who do they got? I think they play Colgate. Okay, and I they believe. just got pounded by somebody, North, North Carolina. Carolina. Yep. So that means Colgate's going to be hungry. They're going to be pissed yeah, off. And, and Colgate then beat them last year, two years ago. They're going to punch Syracuse in the mouth this weekend, I think. I don't know. We'll see. Um, Syracuse's best player last year towards ACL yeah. in, the, in practice leading up to the season. So he was Just out. like a couple weeks ago? No, no last, last year. Season. Oh. Last year. So that kind of derailed, not derailed, but. Uh, it, so, but he's back now. He's back. Oh. Um, so he's. Um, Tucker Durdovic is his name. Big Mitty, uh, right? Big Mitty. Yep. Brendan Curry, who was a stud last year's back. So they got two um, big middies. And I think they have a third, and I, I don't know. I can't remember his name, but um, they have a third guy who's solid. Too. So their first midline is great. Nice. And then they just added um, Chase Scanlon, who is a transfer from Loyola, who okay. was a big attackman but didn't really get a lot of – I don't know, hype last year because of because Pat Spencer. Of who? Uh, Pat yeah, Spen- so he yeah. was like the number two guy there. Oh, so he's um, getting and, time and, he's and everything, from, right? I think he's from the Syracuse oh, area. God, yeah. um, and so they actually gave him number 22, which is big for Syracuse uh, to, to wear that number, yeah. to be given that number. A lot of expectations because of you know the players that have worn it before. So, um, so he must be legit. Yeah, and uh, Rifus is back. Um, Steven Rifus, I believe is his name. 
Uh, he was he's been an attackman now for two years, so I think he's a senior. So they got a lot of guys back. Their goalie uh, is a senior this year. He's started for two years, so I'm I'm hoping that they you know they get back to where they were. Um, they're always fun to watch, and they get a lot of TV time too. Mm-hmm. So it's fun that a team that I like is on TV a lot yeah. versus if you like another um, college team that isn't doesn't get they don't have the big bucks to get the TV contracts. Yeah. You, you might have a harder time watching them or finding them, you know, might be streaming versus like a full broadcast. So, right, right. Um, but yeah, um, really fun to get the D1 or just the college. I don't watch a ton of college outside of D1 on TV, but, you know, we, us three are very excited to watch high school across in Minnesota yes. just because we know so many of the players and working with some of the programs. You know, yeah, working with programs. So that's, sort of a it's sort of a different level of like entertainment i guess in a way yeah. like like you know d1 is great because it's it's the top you know best of the best and it's yeah. you know the full espn deal but like it's also fun to go to high school games with kids and families that you know personally get to see them play you know i don't ever take credit for a kid's success but i i feel like i get to share in their success like I'm excited when they do well. Yes. Um, it feels good to, to be like, oh, hey, like, you know, maybe I helped that person or yeah. just to see them do well because I know that they've expressed their goals and dreams to me or to us. And to go see them be able to do that, you know, is, is a great feeling. And then the weather starts to get nice in Minnesota yeah. eventually. Maybe not sure early. one hot game. Yeah, it's like, my favorite. Yeah, like late April, early May. You get like a you maybe the fifth degree. game of the year or whatever, and it's yeah, it's it's a Saturday. It's sunny and it's seventy. Yeah, and everybody goes like, "Wow, I got sunburned today." Yeah, um, yep. that's that's when you know like it's for real, yeah. and we're in lacrosse so mode, and and you know the club season's around the corner. So it's uh, yeah. And Tuesdays we want to go out to games. Especially we want to go to games Thursdays and Saturdays too. But there's. If you want us to come out to a game on a Tuesday, let us know. We want to get you on the calendar, broadcast or commentate the game if we can. Yep. And then we're going to throw in a little surprise for you. But it's got to be on a Tuesday. It doesn't have to be on a Tuesday. We want it to be on a Tuesday. Yeah. Send us your best Tuesday game. Get on the calendar. Yeah. Let us know. Taco Tuesday. Let us know. Huh? Yeah. It is Taco Tuesday, but... We got, we got another curveball for you. Yeah. Uh, while we're on the topic of Minnesota lacrosse, uh, we're on number, what, what ranking seven. are we on? Sevens. Sevens. Lucky number seven. And uh, girls go first. Yeah. Uh, so I'm going to shoot this one over to you, Katie, to at least start. Uh, the Blake School. The Blake School. Girls of Excellence. Of Excellence. I of, was going to say that, but I was like, is that right? Of Excellence. All right. CBS, the, oh, yeah. the, the Blake School of Excellence. <laughs> yep. um, girls lacrosse team. 2020 new year new me yeah. seventh on the preseason poll yep what do we have to say about them um i mean a powerhouse from what was it 2018 and before um, so last, last year was the first year they hadn't made state in like eight years yeah. or something they so were on a run year, they, they could, struggled yeah. um so i was kind of surprised at how high they were so we're I was. So we're, I mean, we're gonna call it the rankings. Team, a little high. Or are we saying a little team high? Was a state tournament team, and they weren't. But as I continued to read, I realized that they're getting everyone back. They're getting everyone. No key losses. And like 
not even seniors. Like their their heaviest class is, is going to be their junior class, mm. which I think that, you know, they always say junior year is the toughest academically. I don't think that applies to the kids at Blake because I think every year at Blake yeah. is tough academically. Um, so that's cool. Maybe it was just a little like jittery. I think there's a reload. Reload years. I think they have the systems in place to be good, and that's probably why they were ranked so high. Um, I think you're right. I think a reload year was a was a good a good way to say it. Of like, clearly they've got the talent and the coaching uh, and the history. So now hopefully they just needed that year to kind of mature a little bit. And then all those girls, hopefully all those girls will return to the school and return to the team um, and can come back as a starting 12. Yeah. Well, it's not as, like they went 0 and 12. Well, like, yeah. I know, but you know, they're respectable. Yeah, you know, they're just, five and eight. Yeah, I think. They're, yeah. they're just under 500 the year before the last. They had four girls, um, 30 points and over, three of which had over 50 points each. I, I guess um, I should do a little more research on where those all all those girls went because they had some top top players. There was in the a state couple going D one that did end up playing beyond and top programs. So exciting for them. So I think this year was just maybe a little blip in the screen. Yeah, I think you know I I can see your point on being given us number seven preseason ranking for being Enough. five and eight and yeah. not making state. Uh, but I think you know it's the fact that they had their they have twelve they had twelve sophomores. Yeah. So they have twelve juniors so they this had, year. They had, so they had yeah they had a full one, field. That's a full field of girls. They had no seniors and one junior last yeah. year. So everybody came back, yep. and then after this season, Everyone almost comes everybody back. comes yeah. back. So like they is their goalies a senior. Uh, or what grade is she in? No, she one of the tenth graders. Yep, she was one of the tenth graders. I believe. Yeah, which is like there. So there's eleven girls plus a goalie on a field. So yeah. and so I think, I think this is one of those situations, kind of like if a, a team maybe has some returners in college, but then has an incoming freshman recruiting class of five star mm-hmm. recruits in like basketball or whatever, uh, yeah, yeah, and they're yeah. like they're gonna be good because right. they have the they have the reload. I think yeah. this is that case. Okay. Um. Section five. So the last few girls teams we've talked about have been teams that we felt didn't really have a ton of competition in their section. And it's like, as long as they just take care of business, they'll be back to state. Then we'll see what happens Yeah, with Blake. You know, Breck has been pretty good the last couple of years. Breck is Mm -hmm. in their section. Um, Breck handed it to him twice last year. Yeah. And, and was, you know, was competitive in the state tournament as well. So, um, I think that's going to be their big hurdle um, for getting to state is is getting through Breck. I know Breck lost some seniors, so mm-hmm. so this might be the opportunity. Yep. But you know, like Blake and Breck, you know, it, they're, they're similar schools. And it, I believe academically, Breck, right? They can bring. Right. You know, you don't know who's coming who's in. coming in. Like there could be a transfer. There could be someone who you know, whatever, academically ineligible last year. There's yeah. a lot of things yeah. that yeah. like a normal public school doesn't, right. doesn't, you know, I feel have. like there's a lot of shifts in private schools of in yeah. and out yeah. more than any other thing. Uh, and Breck, um, oh, I was going to say something about Breck. They're actually, I think they're a sixth. Oh, I think yeah, they're yeah. the next yeah, that's team. Yeah, that's what I was, so, was going to say. They're neck and neck, which is going to be funny because they'll probably be the two teams ending up yeah. in their section final. Yeah, for sure. Um, they do have two notable returners, uh, Catherine Barry, who had 22 points last year mm-hmm. as a sophomore, so yeah. that, that's pretty good. 
and Brooke Lee, who is a defender, both of them were All-State honorable mention. Yeah, so, okay, perfect. a uh, couple of players that obviously were contributors, so it's not like it's 12 sophomores that are now juniors that have never touched the field before. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. Um, you know, I think they just went through their battle wounds last year, and, and this could be the year. Yeah. Um, somebody once told me, too, that if you have a heavy junior class, it's a is a very um, opportune time to make a push for state versus a heavy senior class mm. because especially being a spring sport, spring sport, heavy senior class. How many of those players who maybe aren't don't have aspirations to play at the next level? You know, they get into late into their spring sport. Yeah, School's done, graduation. They're worried about life after high school. High school across, probably not high on their priority list. It's like, I want to see my friends as much as possible. Yeah. Uh, I'm leaving yep. for college. Yep. I don't know how I'm going to pay for college. Yeah. I don't know what I want to do with my <laughs> life. Grad parties. Like, I'm missing grandma grad parties grandpa for this. Grandma and mom and dad are all asking me, like, what am I going to be when I grow yeah. up? And I don't know. <laughs> yeah. Am I going to the right yeah. school? Do I make the right decision? Right. Um, you know, getting on the field and competing in the lacrosse like game said, is, is starts to drop down. Right. So And they're like, I have to miss five grad parties for this game right now. Yeah, and so I think... You know, it, it's not always the case. Yeah. You know, um, you know, I know the like prior Lake boys last year had a very heavy senior class, uh, and and the and, last time Blake was com- at state, they had a lot of seniors and, too. And, and certainly, it doesn't. It's not. It's not like you know, in stone. But having a lot of junior contributors, they they seem to stay a little bit more focused because the distractions aren't there. Um, so you can be primed to make a run right. as a spring sport. So. Right on. Be uh, interesting to see where where do so. Are they going to rebound and beat Brack? Oh, or and, and I guess we'll have to wait till next week when we talk about Brack. What What do we think about Blake this week, though? Um, we're, we're on Blake. I think so. I I just because of like notoriously they've been really good, yeah. and strong, yeah. That I feel like this that kind of was giving them the benefit of the doubt of like, okay, you got all these girls returning that probably play really well together. I don't know who played mostly together on their on their uh, like starting lineup, right? I mean, they're just going to snap right I'm back. Hopeful. Yeah. I, I'm hopeful. I, I think Breck, Blake's going to be back. Because Breck doesn't really have the history. Breck, I mean, when Blake was really good a couple of years ago, Breck was not even close to being like that. So if anything, it's maybe like a vice for it's it's a. What do they call that? Resurgence back to the mean or something? I do not know what that means. But if, if you go way too high or if you yeah, go way yeah. too low, like Someone's Blake missing to, state, right. like they're going to just, oh, pop right, we're, back we're, in. we're back in. And, yeah. and Breck might have had this amazing year, and then they're going to kind of dip back like, down oh, where they normally would we're, be. We're gonna, Bring it back around. I am too. And while, while PMAC's looking this up, um, I so I used to coach at Blake yep. for two years Um Back in the early 2010, so 2012 and 2013, I think I was there. Yeah. Um, coaching boys lacrosse, but girls were good. Really, g- they're in section three. Yeah. Okay. So. Yeah. That that's that's good for Blake. One, one less hurdle. Yep. Um, something that I was really impressed me, like I didn't go to a private school growing up, right? Um, or a prep school, and I think there's a lot of preconceived notions about what that is and and whatever. Um. But something that really impressed me was that, like, they are, like, a very strong academic. Like, that's definitely number one there. But yeah. the support that the school has for their athletics is top-notch. I Like, it It was something that I, like, I don't remember, like, a ton of, like, the day-to-day of coaching there. But, like, something that really stuck with me was their athletic director, Nick Rathman, great guy, and, like, 
I think it's easy when you get into a position of being like the top guy yeah. or gal yeah. to be like, you know, I, I don't have time for X, Y, Z. Yeah. Nick Rathman, he's got a family of his own and, 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 a, you know, he's the full-time athletic director. So like this guy has a lot going on. Yeah. He's like out there running the table and pouring rain like in April yeah. games and like he, then he goes to the baseball game and yeah. then to the softball game. And like, wow. like he, like they like they have resources, obviously, you know, it's a, it's a well off school yeah. and they have resources for their athletics, but like the buy-in from the faculty and the yeah. athletic department on like making the, like the athletic experience, a priority like also. A, a good experience for their, for their athletes and like making sure that, you know, there's support there, I think is a huge, like, I think it makes more of a difference than maybe one would mm-hmm. think. Yeah. Um, and, and like it's a presence, like, just having there's that a presence. presence and it's like, like they do want their kids playing sports. Yeah. Like, yes, you're there to, to get an education and, and go to a great college and, and whatever. But there is a, a very, um, there's a lot of pride there for the athletics. And I know their baseball team was good for a while. Yeah. Um, their boys and their girls lacrosse team was great for a while, multiple state championships. So I think that maybe last year, just it was the factor of you have freshmen and freshmen and sophomore yeah. playing against yeah, juniors and seniors. Like yep. it's just yep. lack of experience, lack of athleticism, yeah. you know, physicality, whatever. I can see them coming back and, yeah. and being a strong team. So I can too. I really can. Um, yeah. As we move over to another prominent you know, sports, uh, community, school, um, with a lot of history and a lot of different sports in Prairie on the boys' side, number seven. Yeah. Um, a school, a couple state championships in hockey, or in lacrosse, sorry. Plenty of them in hockey, plenty in football as well. Um, I'll, I'll name off a couple of these key losses quick and then shoot it over to you. Uh, the, the biggest one of them all, uh, Q, uh, Quentin Matsui. Uh, a really athletic Mitty and Colin Penn, Jacob Ree, Ree, yep. and Henry Benson and Garrett Smith. Yeah, um, Eden Prairie. Not surprised of their ranking, in my opinion. Yeah, I think this is a good spot. I think fi- they were a Final Four team last year. Gave Prior Lake the eventual state champions champions all they could handle. Um, one, one goal one game. Goal game. They, they, they dropped into the zone defense. They saw yep. that against Rosemount. They 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 game planned um, as well as they could. Yeah. Um, and when I, you hold the team to four goals, you'd think you'd win. Like you're going to win <laughs> nine times out of ten. Yeah. Um, they, they just couldn't find the back of the net. Yeah. Um, but with uh, that being said, yeah. Yeah. Ten and three last year. They play in the late conference, so they're going to have. Um, you know, plenty of opportunity to prove and and gain experience in tough games. So yep. like they're they're going to be battle tested come sections. Um, last year they they beat or so there are three losses: Minnetonka, Benilde, where you're like okay, like two teams that were top two all year. Yep. But then they dropped one to Edina late in the year, so that was an interesting one. I. You know, guys could four have been to hurt. five was to Edina. Got yeah, guys could have been hurt. You know, there could have been uh, yeah, like a prom or or you know ACT or something yep. like that. So that was a weird one. But then section two, we talked about it last week with Minnetonka. Like you can have a great year and was still that not with make Chan yep, too? and with Chan Hassan, Shakopee, Eden Prairie, mm-hmm. Minnetonka, Orono. There's a lot of like 
teams that have had good lacrosse programs. Yeah. yeah. Like you can have a really great year and not make it out of section two. Yeah. Um, I think, you know, when you were playing PMAC section three, the yeah. section of death, they used to section call it, where death. there was like six of the top 10 teams were all in the same section. And that's just the way it goes. It things yep. fluctuate and sections move around. So um, last year, I don't think anybody really picked them. But then Chan upset Minnetonka, and then EP upset Chan. It was just like a weird year where they yeah. found their way, and then they won their first game and then gave Prior Lake all they can handle. So that's pretty typical in my experience following high school across for the last you know 20 years, basically, yeah. is like Eden Prairie. Like You can say they're going to be great. You can say they're going to be terrible, that they lost everybody, they didn't lose everybody. Yeah. It's kind of the same thing where they just – like you're going to have to uh, you're earn your wins against them. Yeah. Um, and what I've noticed, too, is that with with Eden Prairie and the, the size of their school and, the again, the, the great athletics that they have across the board, all you really need at Eden Prairie is six guys who can play lacrosse, and you can fill your roster with as many <laughs> athletes as you want. Yeah. Um, and it seems like every year – that they're they, you know their faceoff guys a, a football player and then they get three linebackers for the fo- for the defense <laughs> and then they grab a couple cornerbacks for the D mids and a couple basketball all of a sudden players, yeah. yeah all of a sudden they're a pretty tough team to play against because like you better be ready physically yeah um and, you know as long as they can get the ball their playmakers um which kind of leads me to one of their returners Will okay. Foster yeah stop you know, guy we've worked with here training um yeah he's He's a high character kid. He's hard worker. He's got great skills. He's righty and lefty. Uh, he can shoot. He can dodge. Like and he's committed to Marquette. committed to Marquette. So yeah, like staying at home, homish, you know, yeah, in the Midwest. He's, he's got it all to be, you know, a, a top player in the state. You know, again, it's like what's around him. You know, when everybody's going to know him. Yeah. Um, they do have a couple other guys. Um, I think it's Max Gangler who was a junior attackman last year. I think he played quite a bit, so okay. he's back. So there's another person with experience. Uh, Tommy Mendyke on defense mm. uh, is back, who's also uh, one of you – know, he just committed to Rutgers. Yeah, so he's going to be holding the fort down for that defense. Uh, yeah. He is a big, lanky uh, deep hole back there. Yep. Um, I'm not I'm not sure – again, another you – know, I'm not super familiar with the Eden Perry program in and out, but yeah. – um, he's going to be a big piece for that defense. Yeah, and and he's going to have to step up as the general of that defense. Yes. Uh, you know, luck, I, again, I had the opportunity to coach Quentin Matsui when he was younger, and even then, his athleticism, his the defensive IQ, and his command of the, those around him, yeah. there's no surprise that he's uh, at Virginia, that he's making a run for the USA team. Like, yeah. like he's he's as great of a kid and, and player as you're going to find. When you lose a guy like that, it's not even necessarily the defensive skills that you're losing. It's a coach on the field you're losing. Yeah. Um, Colin Penn, you know, great athlete that went on to play some Division One football, who's a great midi that a lot of scoring got to replace. But my big question mark is their goalie. Okay. So Garrett Smith was their goalie. Great hockey player, by the way. Did he? Did he graduate? He graduated. Oh, so big, big loss between the pipes. And they have they had a junior goalie on the roster Evan Overcamp or Ovencamp he I didn't see any stats so I'm sure he got some time but probably not a lot okay um you know it's tough when you have a question mark at goalie uh that's just a that's a tough place to be yeah 
the kid may be a stud. I have no idea. Yeah. Like nobody yeah. knows. Again, and that, in Prairie, I'm sure they got somebody ready to go. Yeah, somebody that will want to play goalie. Um, I don't know, you know, what they're going to do for faceoffs. Last year, they struggled at faceoff, and okay. Quinton Matsui was like taking faceoffs for him too. Like he would like win the faceoff, go run that back and play deep. Like he played every position. I feel like. Yeah. Um, their 14A team at in YLM struggled. Yeah. Last summer, so I don't know who who if they have anybody that is coming up that like, would be a, like a ninth early like a, yeah yeah like a ninth grader that could be a contributor right um i i don't remember seeing or hearing of anyone that was like a superstar yeah. that would be, be able to contribute early for like a varsity spot eden prairie yeah um uh, but their 12a team was really good really so good. we might be looking at if i have to even say it because i know i'm gonna eat my words like a down year for eden prairie yeah. where maybe Again, the yeah. the bar and the expectations for Eden Prairie in every sport it's is a like, final four. It's like you better be at state and win state yeah. and whatever, and yeah. like no exceptions. I could see maybe this year having them take a step back, but they're waiting on maybe some some talent that is building in the youth program and and yeah, uh, maybe could, some younger guys. Yeah, waiting for a growth spurt. I think you could probably almost say a reload year. Yeah. Um, you know, you, a lot of these guys that we're mentioning that we know a little bit better are juniors. Yeah. You know, let them get some time this year. If they go on a run in sections, would we be surprised? Absolutely not. Yeah. But give them a year to reload, maybe figure out, you know, who's going to be a net between the pipes um, and, you know, and go on, you know, for next year. Because as, again, I don't want to creep up this list, but... I think there's some teams in that section that are really gearing up for 2020. Yeah. I just don't think it's Eden Prairie's year. Mm. Yeah. I, I don't disagree with you. Um, I, I, I yeah, I think, and they're going to make us pay for it. They're, they're yeah. going to shove this podcast right up our, right up our butt. And they're going to yeah. be like, Oh, and, you and guys you were know, chirping us in February. We're raising and yeah. getting rings and, in, in June. And, you know? and they have great coaches. Oh yeah. You know, yeah. Uh, Ryan Ward does an awesome job with them. And again, he knows that he he'll be able to get some athletes like yeah like a week before kind of thing <laughs> to be like hey come play lacrosse like it's a great thing to do in the in the spring if you're a football player yeah and like he's going to be able to coach them into whatever role he wants them to run um, let them be athletes and as long as he's got four or five guys that know how to play lacrosse on offense it's like they're going to out athlete a lot of teams it might not be pretty. But, you know, they don't ask you, you know, how, they just ask you how many. So, and, um, you know, that's a big thing, you know, that we've mentioned with, you know, some of these teams that just missed the top 10, um, even some teams in the top 10, a question mark is coaching because, you know, just having coaching turnover. You know, this, yeah. this coaching staff at EP is solidified. It's been, you know, together for a long time. Mm -hmm. So that's, that's a huge plus. Yeah. Yeah. They know what they're going to get and, you know, the system's in place. So, um, for me, I, replacing Q and Colin Penn in one year, give them a year off. Like, just take the year <laughs> yeah, off. Yeah. Uh, for everyone else's sake, just just give someone else a chance at state yeah. this year. Yeah. No, I agree. Um, and uh, yeah, I think I think seven is a good spot for them. They're, yeah. they're being rewarded yeah. for last year's performance, but maybe being punished for they're losing some key guys. Yeah. So they, I could see them being in the low top 10 or just outside probably all year. Cause they're going to, again, in the late conference, they're going to, they're going to lose up to Minnetonka, but then they're going to beat, you know, the Tonka next yeah. week and yeah. they're going to beat, 
they're going to jump five in a row. Yeah. It's, uh, it's going to be weird. Yeah. Um, you know, and, and now with St. Michael Albertville in that conference, they'll have a chance to play them. I would love for them to throw a curveball and just just yeah. blow that section on, you know, blow yeah. that section up. Yep. And then it comes down to, you know, you got to beat some top teams come sections. And like we have no, that's a roll of the dice. Yeah. Um, so, um, yeah, I think that's a, a good segue to the, um, this week's interview was a solo interview. Solo right? interview yeah. with me. Uh, yeah, we haven't even mentioned the interview. Yeah. Uh, great, great interview. I think it's going to add, you know, a ton of information, give everyone a bunch of information about refing, um, you know, the new rules this spring. Um, so if you're a parent or even a, and a player um, or a coach, you should listen to this interview portion because um, I don't want to be at a game and a parent not know the rule. Flags are flying and you yeah. guys are freaking out. So yeah. listen, uh, it's with Chris Druin. Um, he's got a whole long resume. He's super involved in the Michigan Detroit area in lacrosse. He's on the U S lacrosse board and head ref this head ref that train trains, new refs. So he's super involved in the game coaches, um, you know, is on youth boards. I'm sure cause his kids play. So he's just all over the place in Michigan. Yeah. Sweet. Cool. Sweet. So, uh, yeah, let's, uh, anything else before we shoot it over to him? Nothing. Get your stick in your hand. Yeah, uh, <laughs> seven weeks. All right, talk to you guys next week. All right. Um, with us today is uh, Chris Druin. Uh, don't know a ton about you. You're a college uh, lacrosse ref. Um, you told me that you were, um, let's see here, just elected you to the U.S. You want me to brag and give you my whole bio and yeah, tell you how cool I am? Yes, U.S. Lacrosse Michigan. And then were you, when I was at uh, Detroit Mercy, were you around? Like, I know your name. I recognize um, you know, your, your picture, but I couldn't put my yeah. finger on it. So I passed the Niloa tryout two years ago, and I am now a, a Niloa certified NA, uh, NCAA lacrosse official. Okay. But, uh, before that I was a high school official and before that I was a coach, but I ran the table, the shot clock, scoreboard, penalty box, for Detroit Mercy for about 10 years. That's what you um, was. Okay. I knew you were somewhere so I, in the situation. Yeah. So you would frequently hear me say, uh, PMAC, take a knee back here by the table, please. Uh, no, PMAC, back up, please. Clear the box. Yeah. So when you were getting your penalties, that was me counting you down. I never got penalties. I would never do never, that. Ever. <laughs> so, yes, I have been a uh, lacrosse player, coach, uh, official fan since. 1988, I think, and uh, my my official titles are: uh, I am the president of U.S. Lacrosse's Michigan chapter. Sweet. Um, I am a NCAA NILOA official, and I am a U.S. Lacrosse uh, certified officials trainer and observer. So uh, I do a little bit with this game. Yeah, just a little bit, just a little bit. Um, how did you get started in the game? Um, in eighth grade at Saint Hugo. Uh, my buddy J.D. Armstrong said he was going out for the lacrosse team, and I was a soccer player that said, well, I'd like to hit things too. Yeah. And so I went out there, and I couldn't throw and catch to save my life, so they gave me a long stick and said, go beat people up. And uh, I fell in love with it, and it's completely become part of my life, my identity, my my, my culture. I, I, I coach my 9-year-old son. I coach my 10-year-old daughter. I you know, do travel teams. I do repping. I do you name it. So when it comes to lacrosse, I am, uh, I'm all in. That's awesome. And then do you, do you have a day job or what, what else do you do? 
I do. I uh, am a Sandler sales trainer, so I'm always selling sales, coaching people uh, professionally as well. So if uh, you know anyone that's in sales that wants to get better, uh, that's what I do. Perfect. Awesome. Awesome. Good stuff. Yeah. Um, so what should we dive into first? Should we dive into the, the new rules? Yeah. So I guess what I was thinking is I can go over the new rule for, for specifically high school. I think that's most of your audience. Yeah. Um, but then also kind of give you the ref perspective on, on what we look for or don't look for, because I think a lot of times people make assumptions. Um, and not only do they not get in the rule book and understand the rules, they might not understand the philosophy or, or the, the focus that we have as officials for our points of emphasis or what we're looking for. Yeah, I think that's so, awesome. Um, I, as I'm looking through the rule book right now, um, rule number 191 is about equipment and uniform changes that are coming in 2021 and 2022. Okay. Um, the, the big thing is that they want to make sure that everything is not certified and that goalie chest protectors now have been put through the ringer to, to make sure that there's enough protection over the heart to prevent um, cardio or people get hit in the chest and their heart stops and they die. We don't want that to happen. Yes. So, so are we going to start so- seeing bigger chest protectors? I think so a little bit. I, most of them that have been out there have been pretty strong in this already. And, and honestly, though, when we do equipment certifications and we say to the coach before the game, are all your players equipped and certified by rule? That's all we're going with. We're not going to be going over to the goalie to see if he's wearing nineteen, you know, 2019 chest protector or 2021 chest protector as the ref. Not what we care about. It's, it's on the coaches to make sure that their goalies are properly equipped. Fair enough. Um, and, and, and honestly, going back to how old I am, when I first started playing, we didn't wear shoulder pads. We didn't wear arm pads. They weren't required. The reason why shoulder pads were put in as a required piece of equipment is because you had too many guys stopping a shot with their chest and dropping dead. It didn't happen often, but it happened a couple of times in the, in the early 90s. So they said, okay, everyone has to wear shoulder pads because that is at least going to be a little bit of protection covering the heart so yeah. that if we have a, a sudden stop or a sudden drop you know we're not going to have kids dying anymore right right so um so that's the first one and and honestly it affects the goalies it affects their parents buying equipment but as far as the gameplay nothing's different okay um the second one is about the chief bench official and whether the cbo can be responsible for counting too few players in the field the only time you see a cbo in michigan is on the state semifinal and the state final it's another paycheck. 99% of the games that your kids are going to play in, there's not going to be a CBO at all. So yeah. who cares? We move on. Yeah, I think that's only for the state tournament. Um, maybe sections here in Minnesota, but yeah. yeah, mostly the state tournament here. Yeah, and, and and the politics of it is, you know, the experienced guys are going to get the games, and it's going to be kind of that nice chair to give to some guy that's, that's coming up in the game that you, you want to throw him a bone and go, hey, you get to be the CBO on a state final, and you go, Cool, I guess. Yeah, um, yeah. Okay. I'll get a paycheck, but I'm not going to do anything. <laughs> um, the big ones that are going to change um, are the restart and the illegal cross, and I'll get to those last. The okay. other ones, um, uh, a timeout for concussion-type symptoms will not be a charge timeout. It'll be an official timeout. And, and I think we've done a good enough job through U.S. lacrosse and the coaches associations, the officials associations, and the, and the high school associations that everyone's trained on concussion. Everyone knows what we're looking for. It's not like when I played and you just, quote, unquote, got your bell rung. Yeah. And then you were back in, you know, in five minutes. 
we, we have trainers at every game. You know, the officials are communicating with the coaches. If there is a big hit, we're, we're watching out for it. So if we see something as the official, we're going to stop the game. We're going to make sure that concussion protocols are put in place and that nobody's going to charge a penalty or something or a timeout if we see something. Um, yeah, that's, that's coming. And That's a good I call. Mean, I, like if someone's blatantly, you know, hurt, you know, either from a hit or from a, a ACL or something like that, it should just be blown dead in my opinion. Yeah. So that's, that's a we, good, that's a good change. We, we are out there cause we love the game and we love the kids and, and we want them to be safe. That's the number one thing that we're looking for is safety. So that, that's, it's, it's good that it's now on paper, but it's again, something that I think we as officials were doing anyway. Yeah. Yeah. I, I would agree with that. The other one that is unique is about throwing crosses. And there is now a rule that states in an effort to prevent the player from throwing a cross under any <laughs> circumstances, a clarification has been written to explain the penalty for throwing of the cross. So what throwing what does cross, a kid get for that? Uh, it can be a one, two, or three minutes non-releasable unsportsmanlike penalty. Okay. So normally the cases that you see it isn't like, you know, a kid gets angry and throws his stick <laughs> after a goal. It, 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 you normally see this goalie comes out of the cage, there's a turnover, there's a fast break or a quick, you know, wide open net and the defenseman throws his pole from, you know, 15 feet away thinking he's going to be funny to stop it. Yeah. They just want to prevent that kind of stuff. Um, also the, the face off guy that thinks that he's going to switch sticks and then come back on and play offense, stop throwing sticks. So you need to come to the box, exchange it with a handoff and then get back into the play. You can't be throwing it from 10, 15 yards out. Okay. It's, it, it's in the rules now, but it's not really something that we see that common. Yeah, maybe um, in like summer ball you'd see it, yeah. but uh, yeah, you probably not in the quote unquote real game. No. So the, the two big rules that are going to change high school this year is one is for pace of play, and so what you played with in college was the restart. You didn't have to have a five yard gap between the players starting with the ball and the defenseman that was covering it. Yeah. The defenseman could be within five yards, and we weren't going to wait for him to get more than five yards. We're going to blow the whistle, and we're going to get the game started. And then it's on the defenseman to not engage for five yards or to not engage right away, or it's a delay of game penalty. That rule is now coming to the high school game. And this is so, my favorite um, rule change or rule add to the high school game. I, I'm super excited about this. I've been asking for it um, since I, I guess got back from college. Yeah, and and as as far as the game goes, uh, I'm gonna you know share a little secret. Us reps, we don't really care who wins or loses, but we just want to get the game done, get it done safe, and get home to our families or get to the bar to have a beer with the boys. Yep. <laughs> so you know, sitting there in a JV game, going back it up, twelve, come on, blue, back, come on, back. no, like just we're going. Yeah. And if you don't get your, we're going to see a lot of penalties on this early in the season until kids start getting it. And parents uh, are going to be losing their flags. mind. Parents that don't yep. know this rule, they're going to be, they're going to, they're going to lose it. Yeah. We're going to have a lot of two play of game flags early in the season. And then kids will start getting it. And we go on from there. So the things that the kids are going to have to understand is they, they can't get a running start from out of bounds. They still have to come in and slow down a little bit because what we don't want to happen is, you know, you take a shot, your attacking goes and gets it off the end line, and he's now got a 5- to 10-yard running start sprint, Yeah. and the defenseman's there back on his heels and is going to get run over. you got to come in. you got to kind of sort of slow down. Come, we want you to come to a complete stop and at least come to some sort of a slowdown stop. And as soon as you're there, we're blowing the whistle and we're gone. You know, we want quick play. 
we want quick whistles. You know, there's those coaches that you have. We're ready. We're ready. Start. Like, all right, that's what we want too. Yeah. Let's go. Yep. Um, so that's going to be in place now. Um, and it's going to be on the defensemen and, and the defending players to realize I can't engage. I have to give him space. And if I don't, it's a delay of game and I'm going to go sit for 30. So one thing I've been talking to the Minnesota refs around here, just in winter league, you know, getting their opinion kind of on this rule. Um, and in college, we were taught if a guy's within five yards, when you're trying to start run into him, draw that flag. Um, yep. And the refs I was talking to here, they're under the impression right now that like if you're, let's say you're not in, in, in his way directly, like say in between yourself and the goal and you go out of the way to hit him, there, they may not be throwing that flag. What, you know, what, what are you looking for? What are your thoughts kind of on, on the team trying to maybe draw a flag on this play? So we, as reps, know exactly what the kid is trying to do or what the intention is when we see that. Yeah. If you're at X and your defender's five yards to your left and, and you'd go directly at him instead of going, you know, the, the quickest point between A and B, the direct line, we're not going to fall for it. Um, I'm sure that there are guys that are better actors that can sell it better than other guys. But for the most part, we know it as soon as we see it. The, the, the place where you're going to see that happen most is the stuff that's going to be a technical foul in the middle of the field. So ball goes off the end line, you know, attack when a defenseman are chasing after it. I don't think we're going to see it much there. We're going to see it as the loose ball push, the face-off violation, yep. that kind of stuff that happens at midfield where you're going to have a group of guys that were just fighting for a loose ball or just got, got done touching each other on a push or a hold or something. And the, 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 the team that's awarded the ball is going to pick it up and be ready to go. And his first step might be directly into the defenseman. And that defenseman might just be guilty by being in the wrong place at the wrong time. Yeah. You know, so, so some of that stuff we're going to have to look out for and, and know what the intent is. If the intention of the offensive player is, hey, I'm going to run into this guy, but the defenseman really has no idea what's going on, his back to the player or whatever not a delay game it, 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 he's not intentionally trying to play that guy within five yards of the ball or, or within the intent of the rule so we as as officials we've got a lot of film we're going to try to you know do some good education before the season starts so that guys can see what it looks like when there is an actual delay of game foul i'm intending to play this guy and i know better yeah and times when it's just hey the offensive player is so fast he's ready to go it, we can't penalize the defense just because the offensive player you know is, is ready to go yep um, my last quick question here on that topic. Um, it was being explained to me where they need to get that five yard gap at some point. So mm -hmm. if, if they're running 20 yards down the field and he hasn't yet, um, given them five yards at one point during that time and he makes contact, is that a delay a game? Um, it's one of those, it depends. Okay. If, if the guy made the, the honest effort in the first place to not engage him, at some point, he's allowed to start playing defense again. Yeah. So it's not like that that there's a force field around that offensive player and nobody's allowed to play him. If I started within five and now we're 20 yards down the field, just go ahead and play lacrosse. Okay. You know, it's, it, you, you've done your due diligence to, to not engage him right away when he starts, but now you're allowed to play defense and you're allowed to try to prevent him from scoring. So, so get in there and get after it. Okay, cool. 
Um, anything else the refs are looking for, watching for on this uh, sort of call and sort of play? No, it, 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 again, it, it, it's it's going to be our judgment, and it's going to be the bang-bang stuff in the middle of the field where coaches are going to be yelling for it and screaming for it, and we're going to have to communicate, hey, that's not the way I saw it, this is what I saw, or he didn't try to play him right away, um, he gave him space, or there's going to be a lot of flags early, and people are just going to have to start having a lot of questions, and, and we yeah. have this every year with rule changes where – it's a point of emphasis. We do all kinds of training. We do all kinds of coaching. We do all kinds of video for the guys, but we really just got to get out there and work on it until it gets better. Um, and, and, you know, as far as the rules go, we are guilty as the officials because we have to enforce these. Yeah. I don't know who's on the committee. I'm looking in the rule book for the rule committee, and there's uh, Dr. Carissa Niehoff uh, is the publisher, and Dr. James Weaver is the editor. Uh, neither one of them, to me, look like lacrosse officials. Um, there's a lot of coaches on here. There's a lot of guys. The, the, the refs are not the ones going to the NFHS saying, hi, we'd like to change the rules and make the game different. It's the coaches and it's the associations that are bringing us the rule changes and we have to enforce them. Mm. So be patient with us as we are now trying to train our guys and, and get them coached up. Got it. Got it. Yeah. Good points. Good points. The only other thing that's going to change significantly for high school is the new um, illegal cross rule. So it used to be you would have a one-minute non-releasable penalty for a deep pocket, and that pocket could be fixed and adjusted, and the stick could return to the game. Or you had an illegal cross, which was pinched, too short, too whatever, had you know two deep shooting strings, past four inches, all that kind of stuff. And that was a three-minute non-releasable penalty, and that stick was disqualified from the game. Mm. Now, everything is two minutes, whether it's a deep pocket, whether it's pinched, whether it's whatever. It, it's two minutes, and the stick can be fixed and returned to the game. Um, we don't recheck it and recertify it. The player is on them to actually fix it. Um, but if the kid doesn't fix it and the other coach calls for a stick check again, well, it could be another two minutes if they didn't fix it the first time. So it's kind of an honor system on that. So is it a two-minute non-releasable? Correct. Two-minute non-releasable illegal cross. Okay. So here's one thing that I think all coaches need to know is we train our officials. When you're going to go do stick checks, we're not looking to catch kids, number one. We're doing it because that's part of the protocols and it's kind of the honor system. Yeah. But we always, 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 always coach the guys. Do not grab the stick of a face-off kid. Yeah. It's, it's, it's the unwritten rule. It's the gentleman's code. I know my face-off guy's stick is illegal. You know your face-off guy's stick is illegal. We're just going to pretend that they're legal and don't call as a coach for a face-off guy's stick check. It's dirty cool. We don't do it. The rest, you never grab the face-off kid's stick because you're just, you're, 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 you're going to find it. It's going to be illegal. Those yeah. face-off sticks go through so much trauma during a game, during a season. Don't go there. Just just stay away from the face-off kids. Yeah, and if they're super illegal, right, it, it won't exit properly, you know, during the yeah. face-off. So it's like if, if it's super, super bad, you're it's going to come up during the game. It's That's my opinion on that. You know, I, I, I almost think that if I'm a coach, I say to the parents' club or the high school administrator or whatever, I need a specific budget for face-off kids' heads. It's a great idea. I can't be asking the parents, to pay 120 bucks every couple weeks, but you get to the playoffs and these things are warped. 
They're bent. I mean, they look like an S rather than a, than a lacrosse head. They are absolutely brutal. And I'm looking at these kids coming out for the opening face-off. You know, we bring all the face-off kids together, go over the rules and the cadences and have them introduce each other and check them for tape and butt ends and everything. I'm going, guys, I, this is a state semifinal. Like, you're using that stick in the state semifinal? And everybody in the stadium can see how illegal it is. Yeah. And, and you're not going to be your best with it. Um, but, you know, it, it is what it is. We, we asked this this move, this to be a part of the game. Um, and the face off kids are, are just going to be guilty by having damaged equipment. Yeah. Uh, yeah. Like you said, it goes through a lot of trauma, a lot of abuse through not just a game, but uh, throughout the whole season. So I, I, th- I like that budget idea though. Um, you know, for a school or a team or, or whatever to, you know, fund the face off stick. Cause um, yeah. Yeah, it's probably the most you know broken budget, piece of equipment. Yeah, you're going to get a pallet of balls to start the season, and you're going to have water bottles and jerseys and pennies and this and that. I'd go and say, okay, give me another, you know, talk to, to, to Warrior, Brian, Simpson Meller, whoever, shout out to Simpson Meller, the best green company in the world. Um, you know, go to these guys and say, I, I need to, to have a, a face-off bundle. And, and every three to four weeks, I pull my face off kids in and say, here's your new head. This is your game head. You can still use the other one in practice, but this one's for games because we, it's such an important piece of the game. Possessions matter. And that equipment just gets destroyed. What uh, side of the, the argument do you fall on for, you know, the face off and then, you know, maybe changing the face off rules and trying to limit the amount um, of influence a good face off player has on a game? You know, I'm torn on this because I am such a fan of guys like Grinley and, and Trevor Baptiste because they, they are, it's chess for them. I mean, they understand the science, the philosophy, the technique, the counter, the balance. It, it is so cool to watch guys like that work. Um, but then at the same time, us as the officials, nobody's happy. Their guy's early. My guy's getting hell. They're cheating. I'm cheating. You're cheating. And it's like, guys, we, we have three officials that 20 times a game have to focus everything we're doing to see is the elbow clamping? Is, are they moving the head? Is it in the neutral zone? Did he roll to a, you know, did he roll through it? Did he, like, there's so much going on with it that we've just made it so overcomplicated. And there's so much to watch that as an official, it, it, it's too much. I mean, I, I, I know that back in basketball when they started, they'd have a jump ball after every basket. So we're kind of at that point, too, because we have a face-off, and it is such a part of the tradition of the game and everything, but officiating it can be a real pain in the butt where, um, you know, if, if you have a guy that's really strong, you know, like, hey, Detroit made their big comeback today because Jars was rolling in the second half. Yeah. It's such a valuable thing. And, and there's so many kids that I see that, become the specialist and say, I'm going to be the face-off guy, just like I'm going to be the goalie. Um, you know, I, I don't want to take it away from those kids. I don't want to take it out of the game, but I just wish we could make it simpler that it's not so obsessively, tirelessly obsessed over. Yeah, people are definitely obsessed about it. I, I'd i like it um, to a certain degree. Uh, I do, I, I peaked at the PLL uh, proposal um, for their face-offs. I haven't skimmed all the way through it, but it looked more like a, either a girls or, you know, girls lacrosse or kind of a hockey face-off where it's a tighter circle. Yeah. I don't know if you saw yeah. that or not. I, I saw, I think Renlian shared something or other about his proposal. Yeah, or um, maybe it was his proposal. Maybe I saw his proposal. I don't, I don't, I guess I don't know. 
Yeah, I mean, I, I, I would like it to get the ball out. These, these battles where you've got two guys, you know, grinding and grinding for 15, 20 seconds, then you've got two long stick middies and two short sticks out there just, you know, jostling and shoving each other, waiting for the ball to come out. Yeah. I'd like to see it move faster. Um, but you know, I, I don't have a solution for that. I don't have a dog in the fight. I was a long stick middie. I just like going on the wings and hitting people after the face off. That's I, what uh, I like doing too. You and me both there. So, <laughs> so the, 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 the face off, I don't have a dog in the fight on. Okay. Um, the only rules that I, I personally have suggested changes on, I actually got the NFS and FHS to change one rule back in the day, um, that I submitted and it was the, um, we used to lock teams in if there was under two minutes in the game and they were up by, or they were up by any lead. Um, mm. We had so many games end with a double foul gladiator rule, as we called it, because, okay, you guys just beat me up for four quarters. Yeah. Scoreboard, it's, it's you know, it's a running clock. It's, 15 to nothing. Yeah. And now I'm going to lock you in where those defense and go, Oh good. I'm going to try to break this guy's wrist now. Yep. Yep. So I submitted it to the Federation and said, if it's more than four goals, if, if we know that nobody's going to score and, and come back from this, don't lock them in. Yeah. There is no reason to, to get these kids hurt because we had it so many times you lock them in. Some attackman is getting beat on, beat on. The double comes over, flag down. Now another flag. Now somebody gets shoved. Now we've got a fight breaking out. Oh, great. In an under two minutes, these teams are going to have to cross in front of the table to go get their goalies, and all hell's going to break loose. <laughs> so we changed that rule so that now if it's more than four goals, nothing. Just You don't have to lock them in. If it's under four goals, then we still lock them in. Yeah, that was a great change. I'm not sure. When, when did that happen? About three years ago. Yeah, that was, that was a great change that – that that was made. So thanks for bringing that the one only up. Other one that I suggested was um, whatever the minutes are on the clock is what the goal differential should be for um, running clock. So if you have a varsity game and it's twelve minute quarters, if you get to a twelve minute differential, we go running clock. Mm. If you have a ten minute quarter JV game or an eight minute quarter youth game, I think it should be the same. So if you've got a youth game and it's going to eight nothing, you know something like that. No one's going to come back from that, you know, differential. It's not going to get any better. Yeah. Start in the first half if we have to, because it's 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 not fair to anyone. I think Brother Rice had a game in the last year where they won like forty four to nothing. Like, come on, we're, we're doing a disservice to these kids. Yeah. What? So in Michigan, your youth uh, games are stop time. I think at the seventh and eighth grade level, it goes stop time. Okay. I don't know for sure. I used to be, I used to run a CYO program um, and we did stop time in the CYO. And, and I'm looking right now at the youth rule book. I have not read it. I have not started um, reading it. I, I haven't done many youth games over the last few years. Just I'd love to. It's easy money and it's fun, but I just haven't um, done many of them. Um, but and I then your JV of, games are stop time too, though? JV games are stop time 10 okay. minutes. Yeah. Okay. I think ours, I think ours are running. We do two man officiating crews on JV and then 10 minute stop time quarters. Okay. Okay. Um, the only thing that I thinking about with the youth stuff is, is traditionally when I do a youth game, the, the dads that are coaching, a lot of them either 
hey, my kid said he wanted to play lacrosse and there was no coach and I've never played before, so now I'm not out here. You know, they, they, they're, God bless them. Yeah. They're out there, they're spending time with their kids, but they have, no, they're, they're not old season vets. So I bring the coaches together before the game. So, okay, guys, what are we going to do? We want to have staff time. We, we, we want coaches in the field. You want, you know, I'm not going to do this for a seventh and eighth grade CYO game where these kids have been playing on travel teams and, and going out east and they already think they're going to get recruited in eighth grade. <laughs> no, we're going to treat those kids with respect and let them go out there and be athletes and competitive. Yeah. But you got some of this third and fourth grade stuff, you know, just, hey guys, what, what do I want to do? Let's have some fun. I, I mean, I'll coach those kids out there and, you know, I'll, I'll buckle chin straps and help them get the jerseys on and like, it's just about making sure the kids are having fun. So when For I sure. start a game like that, I'm going to go out there and, and make sure the coaches and I are on the same page. And my favorite thing to do is these festivals, these summer tournaments and stuff. I love taking the parent side because they're out there in their lawn chairs with the red solo cups, the Bloody Marys, <laughs> and they're having fun. And I walk right over to the parents and go, hey, my name's Chris. You guys are going to have questions? Ask, okay? You're allowed to yell at me too, but, but just ask. Yeah. It kind of is an icebreaker. Um, and I've had some very liquored up moms uh, Chris, Chris, chasing me up throughout the festival <laughs> village. Like, what is this? And why is that thing on your belt? And, and what, what's all it's like, Hey, I, I'm there to educate and I'm there to help grow the game. And it's fun. So I, I love doing that. Stuff. While we're talking about parents, any good, any good parent stories, uh, losing their mind or, or a funny, good one too. Um, so there's a kid that plays football for the university of Michigan named Hutchinson. He's their defensive end. And um, he was a four or five star recruit. He played defense when he was in high school. And there was a fight that broke out in the game. And it wasn't him, but he was in my way trying to get to the kids to pull them apart. Yeah. And there's video of me trying to shove this six foot seven, 260 kid, pound kid out of my way to get to the fight and break it up. Yeah. Um, that wasn't going to, he wasn't going to move. Yeah. It, it, it was pretty comical. Um, but after the game, a couple of parents from that cool school tried to block me from leaving the stadium and challenge me on my calls. And I very politely just told them to go have sex with themselves. And, and I, I didn't keep it professional. I, I really laid into them about how gay dare they try to block me after I just Jeez. got done with having to pull their kids off of, uh, off of a fight. Um, there's always a couple of moms that are overly liquored up and flirtatious at events, and I have fun <laughs> with it. Um, I'm trying to think if there's any good, good stories. I mean, normally it's just dealing with the coaches, having fun with it, you know, communicate with them and move on. Um, I'm sure there's something I could write a book on, but we're also, you know, going to try to keep it PG. Um, to say that, that most of the coaches in the area, we know them, we played with them, we coached them, we played against them, whatever. Yeah. During the game on the field, we keep it professional, but nine out of ten times we end up at the same bar that they do after the game and they ask us calls and, and they, you know, hey, I've got this guy next week, have you had him yet? It's part of a community. That's one of the great things about this game is that you don't have a lot of egos, you don't have a lot of, you know, a-holes in, in that for the most part. I mean, the, the, the best day of the year is the day after the state final in Michigan because you're going to see about 25 coaches and refs all pull up to the same bar after it. None of us worked the game. None of us coached in the game. We were just there as fans. Yeah. And we got to go and have a beer after. That's awesome. That's awesome. Um, yeah. On the, on the subject of, you know, you're really like making, you know, kind of the, the it sound awesome to be a ref. Um, and I'm not sure if you have this problem or not in Michigan, but here in Minnesota, we have a, uh, 
a severe need for refs. We have a we have a lack of refs. Is that an mm-hmm. issue in Michigan? Yeah, it's an issue everywhere. Um, and and there's there's two factors for this. And and I've always made this analogy to my friends that do soccer. Um, when 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 soccer first started booming in the seventies and eighties, when I was a kid playing, yeah, it was because we had such a immigrant population that played soccer wherever they were from. And now they came here and they were working with their kids. Sure. Yeah. I think my brother had a foreign born coach for almost his entire youth and soccer career because there was Gerhard from Germany. That was his youth coach. And his high school coach was Alex Metterl from Cuba. And, and there was all these, you know, these guys that grew up playing the game yeah. that were now here that were willing to coach and rep and do all this kind of stuff. And then you had, dads like mine which were football basketball baseball guy growing up that well if my kid's doing it i might as well get involved and start coaching and start learning and and then there were more people to help out with lacrosse your generation is kind of the 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 first generation that some of the dads have played in the midwest you know you you look at programs and i always go back to you know like brother rice here in michigan or or worthington and upper arlington in, in, in ohio the dads that played there in the 80s and 90s, we now have our own kids that we're coaching. And so it's not us trying to learn the game and teach the game all at once. We've known the game for 20 plus years, 30 plus years. We went and played out east, you know, after, in, in college and got our butt handed to us by the kids from Long Island and Baltimore and everywhere else. So, yeah. so we now have some, some intelligence on this. Yeah, you guys are probably so, one generation ahead of us. You guys are probably, yeah. Yeah, and, and so with... You know, when I played in high school, there were, I think, 12 teams in Michigan. Now there's over 120, I think. Wow. It's, it's, it's really grown. Um, but we don't have a bunch of kids graduating from Baltimore and moving to Detroit that want to coach and want to rep. You know, it, it, it's not like soccer where there's a big immigrant population of, of Long Islanders and, and, and kids from Massachusetts and New England, everything that are moving to the Midwest after college. And now they're going to bring lacrosse with them. So, we have to grow the guys organically. We have to lean on guys like you that, that are staying a part of the game. Um, you know, I had a long conversation with John Paul, the, the Michigan coach um, and the PLL coach yesterday. Yeah. Because I'm trying to recruit people for U.S. lacrosse uh, in some of the committees I have to fill here. Okay. He said, that, that's just, my, my guys are from Michigan. There's maybe 10 of my players from club on, you know, up to varsity that settled in the Ann Arbor area after college. Only 10. You know, a lot of his guys came from out east. A lot of his guys came from California oh, or wherever. Yeah, yeah, and yeah. when they finish their degree, they're going to work. I mean, you graduate from Michigan with a degree, and, and I'm trying to remember the kid's name. He was like their first stud on that first varsity team. I remember he went and got a degree in aeronautical engineering or something. Oh, so um, in Seattle, Boynton. At Boeing. Yeah. Yeah, Boynton. He's not he's not going to stick around and hang around in Detroit because there's no aeronautical engineering jobs out here. So yeah, his guys are, are moving on. Yeah. He's going to move to the, the, the moon soon or some space <laughs> thing. You know, he's, he's not going to be on earth much longer. Yeah. Nonetheless in the Midwest. Yeah. So w- what we're really looking at doing is, is we're trying to make sure that, that guys that their kids played, and now their kids in college, and they love the game, and they want to get back involved. Come be a ref. Yeah, great exercise. It's great money. Um, guys that are you know played in high school that are now going to a local college like U of D, Oakland University, Lawrence Tech. Hey, come out and be a ref. You, you want some beer money for college? I'll give you 120 bucks to go run around and do a JV varsity double. 
If yeah. you want to go do four youth games on a Saturday morning, you'll put 200 bucks in your pocket. Like, there's not a lot of places you can make that kind of cash for your beer money for college where you're not making minimum wage, you know, rocking a cash register or, or parking cars. Yeah, what? Even even if you're in high school, um, you could probably uh, – we, we, me and my uh, – me and my buddy were looking up, you know, ref refing stuff because some of our players want to get into refing. You could start refing in high school, do some U eight games, U ten games, whatever. You know, yeah. learn how to ref. And you're making thirty bucks a game. Yeah, and you just got to keep the kids' shoes tied, like you said. Make sure their helmets are on and keep them on the field. Like, make sure they don't run yeah. away. I. I had this conversation with Gordon Corsetti, who was the, the U.S. officials trainer at the time. He did the Laredo that I went to for my, you know, advanced training and observing and, and stuff. We had a youth tournament up in Clarkston, and there was an innocent goofball mistake where there was a spreadsheet that was sent over to the assigner that had all the games that needed to be assigned. Yeah. Well, there were two tabs on the spreadsheet, and he didn't look at the bottom and see that there were actually two sets of games he has to assign. He only assigned one of them. Mm. So we get out there to do the games, and it's like we have half the officials we need. Yeah. Yeah. It's, it's going to be chaos. So this is one of those days where, like, I didn't have a break, and I did 10 games straight, and, and of those 10 games, seven or eight of them, I was going to be by myself. Yeah. So I went and grabbed two of the high school varsity players. I gave them both a whistle. No flags or nothing like that. And I said, we're going to run this almost like soccer where there's like the main referee and then a couple of linesmen or, or whatever they call them. Sure, sure. Said, I'm going to take the co- I'm going to take the coach's side. I'm going to do the bench. I'm going to go basically restraining line to restraining line. I'm going to have the flag. I'm going to have any penalties. I'm going to, you know, do the face off, all this stuff. You guys are going to take the parent side. And your job is to see, does the ball go out of bounds on the end line? Does the ball go in the goal on a goal? Is the ball over on offsides, that kind of stuff. So, so you guys are, your guys' job is to, I can't see that side to figure out who was close to the ball when it went on a shot and if the ball's in the back of the net. Like, that's your guys' job. Just watch this. If the ball goes out, you blow your whistle. If yeah. the ball goes in the goal, you blow your whistle. And, and the three of us ended up doing all those games. And the coaches loved it because there was always an abreast that was an adult on their side communicating with them. And the kids loved it because they got to blow a whistle and run around with some little kids. There you go. I would love to see us do some of that. The challenge that we have with, with young guys that want to ref is they're not available when we need them during the season because they have their own games and practices. Yep. And then when it's the off season, there's only so many games. And some of us, I mean, this is how we pay for vacations for our family or, you know, luxury uh, items for, for our family by our refing money. Yeah. And so if there's only so many games, we're not going to give them up to the, to the local high school kid that's trying to make a buck. We're going to go out there and make our money too. So there's kind of a give and take between what do we want to be, what do we want to do, and, and when those kids are available. But any kid that says they want to come out and ref, we need them talking to us in the fall so that they are going to our trainings that we're doing over the winter, our continuing education for our officials. They don't come to us in February or March and say, I'd like to ref this season. And we go, great. Well, we're all too busy doing games to do any more training. So right. check with us next year. Yeah. I, I know for Minnesota kids, if you're listening, they're still looking – and they're still willing to train refs in Minnesota. Um, do you do you guys run through the same organization as Minnesota refs? Is it the? Uh, I had it written down. Where did it go? So we have what we call Mishloa, which is the Michigan Lacrosse Officials Association. There's also a Capital City 
Association in the Lansing area. Okay. And then the Grand Rapids has the West Michigan Lacrosse Officials Association. Um, each one of these associations is doing the training and the certification for their local officials in a partnership with their assigners in the, the high school, the MHSAA. But it's all the same U.S. lacrosse that is giving us our materials and certifying us as the observers and the trainers on, on what to teach and how to teach it and the rules exams and all that kind of stuff. So they're, they're independent franchisees, per se, in every community, but we all answer up to the same you know, master assignment rule book of U.S. lacrosse. Got it. And for Minnesota, uh, you know, potential refs or people that are interested, uh, we go through the Upper Midwest Lacrosse Officials Association, umloa.org. Cool. Yeah. And ours is just Michloa, M-I-C-H-L-O-A.org. Um, and then when in doubt, uslacrosse.org. If you go to U.S. Lacrosse with any question, they have a couple hundred people that it's their job to actually get paid to do lacrosse all day and we all are it's a small community they will put you in the right direction with the right person in a heartbeat perfect perfect um so our last kind of question um our podcast is called down the alley so we'd like to ask uh you know each of our guests you know what is your alley this could be something you're passionate about your wheelhouse uh you know something that you're you know really into this week this month um, you know, it, it can really be anything. I am so happy to be coaching again, and I'm so happy to be coaching my son. So I was a coach for years after my playing career. And, um, when my wife and I started our family, we had our daughter Harper. And then 13 months later, her little brother Gannon was born and Anne Marie, the saint that she is, I have no idea how she puts up with me or why she puts up with me. <laughs> just looked at me one day and said, honey, you can't be gone seven nights a week and leaving me home with two kids and diapers. Like you've got to be around more often. Coaching is, it, you, I, I have, I hate to ask you to do this, but I know how much you love it, but I, I you need to, you need to be around more. Yeah, yeah. Um, and at the time I was coaching the fifth and sixth and the seventh and eighth grade teams at St. Hugo in the CYO. So I was doing two practices a night. Plus <laughs> I was helping out the Clarkston, varsity program so I was going to all of their games and helping them when I could and yeah my wife was right I was doing way too much yeah plus I was doing travel teams in the summer and going out to you know the east coast with with U8, uh, uh, U14 teams and, and she was right so at the time my friend uh, Brian Effinger who is my mentor and who's the one of the best reps that, that the, the game has um, he was sick of me yelling at him as a coach uh, and he said, well, if you're not going to be coaching anymore, you can come out and try refing. You know, you're, you're going a lot less. You only do games and that. And so I've been a ref for the last 10 years and I love it. I love being on the field. I love, you know, helping mentoring. I, I, I think I do a pretty good job of it and it's not about me. It's about the kids. Yeah. Um, but now that I'm my, my nine-year-old, I have been very patient to not be that crazy dad that, tries to live vicariously through their kid. Yeah. I did not want him burned out. I did not want him re regretting his dad, pushing him too much. Now, don't get me wrong. He had a stick the minute he was born. There was a stick <laughs> in his crib. I, I, I think he has, I kid you not, if he has 40 t-shirts, 35 of them say Stinson Miller lacrosse on it. It's like Higgins just keeps him outfitted in Stinson Miller gear. So you planted um, the seed early. Very, very much so. <laughs> but I wasn't, crazy pushing him i let him fall in love with it and now that he's fallen in love with it 
all his buddies from Cub Scouts come out. I, I am the Pied Piper of Clarkson Lacrosse. I've loaned out more helmets and gear and strung more sticks and, and gotten kids and parents over to Cincinnati Mellor to buy their first, you know, real stick to get away from those warrior warps and everything. I, I absolutely love coaching eight, nine-year-olds. And the fact that it's my son, is it's really something special. It's, it's a lot cooler than just going out and coaching everyone else's kids. I love that too, but yeah, yeah. there's it, it, something about being on the field with your, with your little guy. And now I got to learn that weird stick with the, with the no pocket and in, in the flags and the, and, the, and the penalty cards or whatever. I got to learn the girls game now. Yeah. I've got two daughters. So Oh, there coming. you go. That's going to be a whole nother learning experience and rule book. Oh yeah. Um, well, I'm the president of U.S. Across Michigan, so we have boys and we have girls as our members. It's probably time for me to go put my butt and do it. Yeah, yeah, I agree. Yeah, get uh, yeah, get that going. I I should know more about it, but you know, my sister, my sister plays. Both my sisters, or two of them, uh, have played, and my my uh, youngest sister is a junior now. So a couple more years, and then hopefully four more after that. So so yeah, it's fun. Yeah, I'm, I'm, I'm getting into it. And, and it's tough for me to go to the girls' stuff and sit there on my hands and keep my mouth shut and not be telling them, like, uh, okay, have you gotten level one and level two certified through the U.S. Lacrosse Coaches Association program? Like, I just need to shut up and be a dad. Yeah, yeah. Um, and and I, I, I do it, but I struggle because I don't I, – I know not to be that guy. But yeah. darn it, I want to interject into all this stuff and – yeah, that, that, that's one thing that I've always had fun with as a ref is, is, is I learned this early to nobody cares who you are, what you know, you're just out there to do your job. So never look at a coach and say, you know who I am. I've never looked at a coach and said, I'm the president of U.S. Lacrosse. <laughs> I've never looked at a coach and said, I'm a U.S. Lacrosse certified trainer. Like, yeah. Coach, I didn't see it that way. Ah, coach, sorry. I, I, I thought it was close. No, you know, but I, don't, don't big time people in the game. But yeah, it's, it's, uh, it's, it's tough sometimes to not say it when you want to. Yeah, yeah, I'm sure. So, yeah, down the alley coaching my kid, and then um, hopefully over the next couple of days they're going to announce summer tour for the Grateful Dead, Dead & Company, and they'll come to Detroit because uh, Fish, again, is not coming to Detroit, and I'm bummed, and I don't have the disposable income or the vacation days to go on tour anymore because I have children that want to go to camp in the beach and parks and stuff and Disney with Dad. Yeah, yeah. Where uh, where are they coming to in Detroit? Uh, if they come, they would come to Pine Knob. Uh, I'm sorry, DTA Energy Music Theater, but all the hippies still know it as Pine Knob, just like we still call it Deer Creek and we still call it Buckeye and all that kind of stuff. Uh, it's one of those Midwestern amphitheaters that seats about 15,000 that they've been coming to for, for years. So the rumor is they're coming back, fingers crossed. They haven't come since the uh, Thanksgiving run uh, with Dead & Company at Little Jesus Relief Arena about four years ago. So fingers crossed. Will uh, Coach Cohen be going with you? I hope so. He came with me last time. Actually, so the, the funny thing is, is that I used to get paid to do the table at the Detroit game. And yeah. then the budget was so splashed that I just said, don't pay me anymore or pay me in, in, in helmets and gloves and backpacks and sticks and, and buy me, me cocktails when we go out for, for, for happy hour. Yeah. Um, so my payment one year was when Van Gundy's son was your manager video guy. Yep. Colin went to Stan Van Gundy, who was the coach of the Pistons at the time, and got four awesome seats for Dead & Company. And he took my wife and I with him and my buddy Joe to go see Dead & Company. And we had a blast. Unreal. Because him as a musician really gets the dead. 
Um, and I'm, I'm just a hippie that, you know, grew up with them. And I'm, my four-year-old goes to sleep by saying, Alexa, play the Grateful Dead. <laughs> uh, that's awesome. That's yeah. awesome. Cool. Are you doing so, anything right. with Detroit anymore? Or? Um, I, I will go to a practice. I ref their scrimmage against Michigan State a, a week ago. Cole and I are still great friends and talk all the time. And Higgins keeps me in the loop on what's going on. So does uh, John Losey. Um, but honestly, with, with my schedule, refing D3, refing MCLA, refing NAIA, refing high school, coaching my kids, I just, I, I, I'm always busy when their games are. I, yeah. I was coaching my son today and I was keeping track of the game on Twitter. Yeah, I was keeping track. I want to try to go back. What, were they streaming it? I don't know. Um, John Losey, I know, was watching it somewhere. So I think it might have been on an ESPNU or ESPN3 feed. Okay. Um, I, I, texted Colin after the game and, and he texted me back. I, I won't read it to you. There's some colorful language in there. <laughs> um, he and I normally talk a couple hours after, after the game and we catch up. Yeah. Awesome. Yeah. So yeah, I'll have to go back, but uh, yeah, good win for them. And hopefully, hopefully they keep it going. I'll have to try to find the film and, and watch it back. Yeah. So, Hey, don't be a stranger. If you come back to your alma mater for anything, let me know. We'll track you down. We'll get a beer. Um, another guy that you absolutely should have on it. I've plugged Stinson Miller a few times. I'll plug him a few more. Yeah. Uh, Sean Higgins owns Stinson Miller lacrosse company. Uh, the story is Stinson and Miller are not his name. Tommy Stinson was the bass player of the replacement and it's his favorite bass player in the world. And Miller was Joe Strummer of the Clash's real last name. So he named his lacrosse company Stinson Miller. So Sean has been the biggest advocate to get good sticks, properly strung sticks and, and right sized equipment into kids' hands all over the Detroit area. He cut some strings sticks for guys like Perkovic Klein and the PLL and he cut some strings sticks for my nine year old Gannon and, and he just gets how to build a pocket around your technique. And if you're a high whip guy or you're a deep pocket guy or you're, you know, a beater or shoot, like he just gets it. And he's so kind and he's so generous to give free gear, to to give t-shirts, to do all this stuff. Um, And when it comes to the equipment, he knows the gloves, the pads, the the technique, all this stuff. So, so you guys could even do an annual, like what's the new gear that came out for Christmas thing and and have him give you some feedback because he is, a, a phenomenal resource when it comes to that stuff. And, and he's just such a good dude too. And it's great PR that if anyone needs a stick for him, you know, to purchase Stinsonmeller.com. He's on Facebook. He's on Instagram. He's on Twitter. He's, he's everywhere. I, I can't, you know, Colin and Higgins, I'm on a group text with them and, and I, I feel lucky to be a part of it because they're just such bright guys when it comes to the game and they're just such good dudes. Yeah. He'd be a great guy to have on even this time of year. Right. You know, I'm sure people are starting to, uh, um, you know, I, as hockey season, basketball season winds down, oh, uh, my gloves are too small, or oh, you know, the stick is getting old. Uh, you know, th- this might be perfect timing to get stints on. Yeah, Stitch is uh, his nickname. Stitch. Uh, you know, I, I, my son calls him Stitch. I don't think my son even knows his real name is Sean. <laughs> um, but but he's he's just such a he's such a good dude. So yeah. Um, and then one other group that you might want to reach out to. I don't know if you know Brian Kaminskis, the head coach at Clarkston. I don't. But he and his brother Michael own all the Lack Bash events, so they have events in Chicago. They oh. have events in St. Louis. They have events, I think, in Atlanta and Clarkston and well, I'm sorry, it's actually Oxford. 
Um, they have tournaments all over the place, and, and they might be able to give you a, a good insight about the difference between Midwest lacrosse and Michigan, Midwest lacrosse and Minnesota, Midwest lacrosse and Chicago, and just, uh, you know, very, very bright guys that I'm sure would have no problem, you know, plugging their tournaments if, if you're, you're looking for somebody to chat with. Yeah, absolutely. We well, got my phone number now so we can stay connected. And yeah, I'd love to get, uh, yeah, some of these people from not Minnesota. You know, we've been getting some great Minnesota people, but, you know, to keep branching out and getting different perspectives is, you know, what we want to try to do here. Yeah, I mean, we all love the game. We want to grow the game. We, we're advocates for the game because it's, it's been such an important part of our, of our lives and our identities and, and, and everything else. So if there's anything we can do, you, you know, just holler at me, Mac. I'll be nice to you. All right. I appreciate it. Have a who, last question, last topic. Who yeah. do you got tomorrow on the Super Bowl? So I live in Detroit. Super Bowls are something that doesn't happen around here. Um <laughs> I was a Lions season ticket holder for 10 years, and the year before oh, they went 0-16, I tore up my renewal form and mailed it back to them and said, I care more about you winning than you do. I'm never going to another Lions game. <laughs> so I've been, quote-unquote, Lions-free for a number of years, but the NFL is everywhere, and it's an excuse to have my in-laws over and to smoke a bunch of ribs and drink a bunch of, of booze on a Sunday night. So I don't really care. Okay. But I guess if I'm rooting for somebody because I'm smoking food, I'm going to go with Kansas City because I'm going to make a Kansas City rib. Uh, love it. Uh, so you're smoking smoking ribs tomorrow? Ribs, shrimp, and chicken wings. All right. I got, I'm, I'm going to take a stab at brisket tomorrow. Nice. So Don't trim the fat cap too much. Leave the fat cap trimmed, but, but you don't have to get it off. There's so much good flavor on that fat cap. And then make sure as you season it, you, you make sure you get the sides um, and, and inside every fold and everything. It's uh, it's blowing low. Smoking stuff is easy. Every, all these guys that have all these amazing techniques and this and that, it's low heat and you you, you set it and forget it. You don't screw it up and, and you're good to go. So for brisket, are you are you a salt and pepper guy or, or do you get crazy? Because I've, I've, as I've been looking into this for this brisket stuff, I feel like Texas is salt and pepper. Don't do, you know, don't do anything crazy, but some of these internet guys, they're, they're all over the place. There's a product called Brad's butt rub. That, I'm writing it um, down. Brad's uh, butt I, rub. Yep. Uh, you can get it on Amazon in the big, you know, 24 ounce, you know, jars or whatever. Um, I try to do the keto thing, no sugar. And yeah. so, so many people want to put sugar in their rubs. This is one of the best ones I found that had a little bit of spice to it without any sugar in it. I use it on, on, on pork butt. I use it on brisket. I use it on ribs. I use it on everything. It, it's phenomenal. So I've, I've never had any complaints about it from my family and friends. And then, and then uh, the wood, what kind of smoker you got? It's a master built electric smoker. It's, it's nothing fancy. It's, it's the best pro redhead edition, but it does the job. And, um, so normally I'll just mix up a hickory and then some kind of fruit wood, like an apple. Nice. Um, and I'll do that with a lot of the stuff. And then for the shrimp, Old Bay. Olive oil and Old Bay in a, in a, in a pan. Oh, yeah. Put them in there for an hour, and they're done, and they're perfect. Right on. Awesome stuff. Cool. Well, uh, All right. yeah. Let's... I've been sitting in the Costco parking lot now having this conversation for 55 minutes and 14 seconds. <laughs> I'm going to go do my shopping. All right. Go get your shopping done. Uh, thanks for coming on, and really nice uh, catching up with you. Awesome, dude. Have a good one. You too. One more time.